the the one way I was able to uh, clean uh, it's very Harper style. I like it is that uh, he's got a a leaf blower, like a super high powered leaf blower. It's like the most fun leaf blower ever. Uh, mine was like a little battery operated thing that sort of like you know you know on stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and his is like a jet engine, so I was able to. Um, blow everything around his house. It's pretty cool. Was this inside or outside? No, it was outside. Also, okay. did I say blow everything around his house? I mean, it's like... Harper comes up in his office just <laughs> papers in a pile in the corner. <laughs> Look, I cleaned up for you. I didn't vacuum. I did something way better. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch in unbeatable goodness. Welcome Pacers fans, you were listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This episode 411, company from Indianapolis, Indiana, I'm your host Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to talk about Aaron Holiday's emergence, we're going to revisit the Turner-Sabonis debate, Uh, we're going to discuss some potential changes to the postseason in the NBA, and give thanks uh, for everything NBA. All that, plus we've got a stat of the week, and we're going to answer an undegoogleable. Joining me this week are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? I can't believe it's Thanksgiving already. Uh, what has happened? Shout out to my... Uh, lovely wife we will have just passed our one month anniversary month anniversary thank you what do you what do you give each other for that nice uh, a high five i think high okay five. that's a that seems right <laughs> I thought maybe it was the back rub anniversary <laughs> okay i think that's two months <laughs> okay <laughs> gotta make sure it's gonna last you know before you give out those back rubs that's right uh, from Denver, Colorado, he's uh, Iron House bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles. John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? Uh, it's Turkey Thursday. Drink up. And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. Happy Thanksgiving, Pacers Nation. Uh, before we get into the show, I just want to remind you that you can support us anytime you shop at Amazon. If you just click the link in the show notes or go to theunbeatables.com slash Amazon, and uh, any shopping you do will uh, uh, set a small percentage back to us and help support what we do. I'm going to give a shout out uh, to Valve Software. Um, they make uh, the Half-Life series of games, and after, I think, 10 years or so of uh, not making any of their very, very popular games that ever 
you know lots and lots of people love uh they are going to release a new game uh in the spring i think in march um if anyone's played the half-life games they're they're just awesome sci-fi games and beloved by fans just awesome play awesome story um then they started to focus on other stuff, but they're they're bringing it back next year. It's going to be VR only, uh, so I got to figure out how to get that. But um, they made a lot of people happy by announcing that this last week. So shout out to them. So if I come over to your house, you're just going to have like the goggles on, and you're going to be like roaming around the house. Absolutely. Okay, I look forward to that. Yes. <laughs> um. All right, guys. So. Aaron Holiday, we, we talked about him a lot last show. Um, if you've been watching Pacer games recently, you've seen a lot of him, a lot of him holding up three fingers, um, a lot of him getting post-game interviews. He seems pretty good. And if you've been reading The Star, um, he's up for trade. Or we're, we're getting uh, lots of phone calls to take him off our hands. Um I don't this is a little unexpected. You know, this is kind of Best case scenario, it seems like to me. Um, Harper, you're our resident holiday expert, um, and it is a holiday today. Um, what do you want to talk about the emergence of him and like what that means for him and for the team? Yeah, I mean, on some level, it's really not that surprising. Um, the kid's just super good. He works super hard. He's got a high basketball IQ, and he can shoot. If anything... You know, it, there's just an adjustment period coming into the NBA. There's going to be slumps, I'm sure, throughout the season. The last few games we've seen from him have been so phenomenal. I don't expect that level of success to keep up as teams start looking to game plan a little bit more for him. Um, but having that guy, having that draft pick pan out for us, um, I mean, that's huge. He's a great teammate. He's a guy you want on your team. And he's showing that he can make other guys around him better. Can't have too much of that. Sure. Yeah. It's not just the the, the points, um, but he's he's getting his assists in there too. And uh, you know, he draws when he draws the heat, he can dish dish the ball, and you know, somebody else can can finish it for him. You know, that's it seems like he's it seems like he's happy to just get the wins, and and him playing well is icing on the cake. And it's just a great storyline to have two brothers playing together in the NBA. It's just fun. Yeah. 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 And they look for each other on the court, too. You can Constantly. tell that they're – yeah, they are. They're just – it's like – it's almost a two-man game when they're out there. And it's, it's – and I don't mean that as a, a, you know, negative. Like, it's just – it's very sweet. And they make stuff work. They know each other very well. And, you know, uh, making themselves available for the other person's pass and, and uh, open shot. It's just uh, – I really enjoy watching them play together on the floor like they've been doing it their whole lives or something mm-hmm. <laughs> weird huh mm-hmm. yeah he's really um that you can tell the game is starting to slow down for him you know we were joking in the monday show that that brooklyn game it looked like he was in the matrix like he was seeing plays before they were happening right which um you know in his rookie campaign um obviously didn't get a ton of burn but uh when he did definitely seem like things were moving too fast or he was trying to make things happen um before that now he's kind of letting the game come to him and sort of predicting things uh in a way that is is uh super good for him i think it think it's been an adjustment right you know because as you alluded to harper he's a shooter 
you know, he's played his whole life as probably a two guard, uh, but size wise in the NBA and frankly for what this team needs right now he needs to play point guard and so that's a thing that he's he's working on and he's definitely improved in that you know um you can tell that that was a focus of his in the off season was sort of uh figuring out how to create plays and work on his passing and all that good stuff and it's 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 paying dividends yeah he's learning a new position on the fly and doing a really great job Mm mm-hmm in that best league in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the best league in the world. My question, I think, is um, that if he, uh, when everybody's healthy outside of Victor Oladipo, right? So if we get Brogdon back uh, and Lamb stays healthy, do you still start him at two guard because his game more uh, replicates what Victor Oladipo does than, than Jeremy Lamb? And also he's playing so well, so heady, he's shooting the ball so well. Uh, does he keep that two two guard spot when uh, Brogdon comes back, or is he just going to go back to the bench along with McConnell? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, rotation wise, I I kind of like um, McConnell and Lamb together a little bit better in that second unit. I mean, McConnell's feisty but small, um, mm-hmm. and and Holiday's got decent size but not great size so yeah no he's like six one like yeah in a, <laughs> he's in, not a, that big. in a second unit backcourt with two tiny guys like that uh that that type of lineup may struggle um and of note you know brogdon and holiday have been on the floor for a combined 120 minutes or something like that and they're you know plus 17 when they're on on the floor together and in, in various combinations or whatever so that seems like the type of uh, organization or, or formation that, that can work successfully. Uh, I don't know, is, is Jeremy Lamb's... Also, you, you, you may get Jeremy Lamb better, you know, more uh, accustomed to being that second unit scorer. Right, because you brought him in, you know, he, when you brought Lamb in, he understood that eventually he would be a guy coming off the bench, right? That he would start while Old Depot was out, but, you know that's going to be his role as a six man. That was part mm-hmm. of him signing with us. Um, so to do it now, maybe over a second year player might be an ego hit, but I mean, also it's going to acclimate him into that second unit quicker. If we can start mm-hmm. now. Well, Harper, you would definitely keep him in the starting lineup, right? As of you now, would start yeah. him even after Oladipo is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, o- Oladipo at power forwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I like the I like having side size in both lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a good argument for it. Um, it's also you know Aaron's a young kid and he's playing really well. I mean until that changes yeah keep them out there i mean Mm -hmm. you know you don't want injuries to be the reason that you lose your starting lineup spot but whatever it happens (laughs) it happens i guess he's not going to replace tj warren yeah and we'll we'll talk about the turner's bonus thing because you know there are other iterations you could go i mean you could go small ball or something like that but that's not likely going to happen so probably not worth exploring no Although the you know the holiday lineup works pretty well together, so <laughs> you know he's definitely going to mm-hmm. get his minutes with the second unit because that's effective as well. And and Jeremy Lamb's played really well for us. It just 
kind of seems like whoever we're trotting out there is holding the line with the first team and the bench is killing it. So it's nice to be able to coach that team where you know your bench is going to win most nights. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does create um, some issues if everybody's healthy. I mean, I guess that's a good problem to have, right? Um, but, you know, is Justin Holiday going to see enough minutes? Uh, does Aaron get that backup two and you put Lamb at the backup three? Um, you know, now McDermott's a backup four. Like, you know, there's, there's a ton of issues if everybody's going to get the minutes. Um, but Holiday playing this well is a really good problem to have. <laughs> and, and as well as uh, McConnell, um, you know. These are these are good problems to have. I think it'll it'll shake uh, out in some way once Oladipo comes out uh, comes back. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We talked a lot about uh, Turner Sabonis last week. Uh, there was uh, got a mailbag. Uh, we got a mailbag about that, and we we all gave our our pieces. Um, some of us were right, some of us were wrong. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, Colson, you were unable to uh, to be here for that conversation. You you had a lot to say about that. So who who are you going to decide with here? Well, you know, I, I first want to say that uh, appreciate the mailbag sort of putting everybody in a, a terrible position because, as you stated <laughs> in the in the letter, nobody wants to see this happen. Um, but you sort of have to make this Sophie's choice, and what do you do? Um, and um, I appreciated everybody's answers, and I uh, agreed with them. I uh, particularly Harper's. Uh, uh, if he can't just give up the decision and commit suicide, then he'll take some bonus. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, you know, for me, and this, I know this is kind of cheating. Um, but the only thing I could think about the entire time was this is a false premise. I know that that's the point of the, the, the letter to make us choose. Mm-hmm. But I think what struck me was that um, the, the goal of an organization is to collect talent. Okay? And we have two um, players under the age of 24 that play the same position, right? Um, that is a good, uh, it's good talent to have two really talented players under the age of 24. Um, and it's up to the coaching staff to make it work. I just don't think that you can have these two guys and just come to the decision that I'm going to give one of them away, um, without having this be on the coaching staff. Ultimately, I think what I would reframe the question is, not Miles Turner versus Sabonis, but Nate McMillan versus the field, right? If he can't make this two-center thing work, um, then I think you have to think about changing your coaching staff. Hmm. That's an interesting reframing of the question. I would take issue with your uh, premise that the goal of an organization is to collect talent. I think the goal of the organization is to win a championship. Agreed. As many but, but championships if, but, as you possibly can. Agreed. But if a G, but if a GM is supposed to, if their goal is to get bring as much talent as possible and allow the coach to to uh, make that a working unit so you can win a championship, right? I mean, that's what I mean. Sure. I mean, but I think that if the left hand isn't talking to the right hand and right. the right hand coaches basketball in a certain type of way, and the left hand gives them talent that forces them to coach basketball in a completely different way. That is not a recipe for organizational success, right? Uh, I'm no, not saying I, I that's that. what happened here. I'm just sure. saying just to to talk about the fundamental principles of sort of how 
you go about things, right? Sure. Um, I mean, I think I think the biggest, you know, issue with this question, right, is that the 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 data aren't there yet, right? Right. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me from last year, but this year so far, tournaments and bonus have played together in the same lineup for a hundred and fifty six minutes, and that is. Uh, getting us a plus minus of negative five basically which is the sort of 19th best uh combination of of you know if you take any two players on the roster and put them on the floor for however many minutes like how well did they do of our top 20 minute um combinations that you could get so that's I, I think the sample size is too small. A, um, but B I think that yeah I don't know the like if you look at at numbers, re plus minus and these list different lineup things, lineups that include Miles Turner aren't doing so great this year, where lineups that are including Demontis Monis are they tend to fall towards the top half of these metrics whereas the turner ones are are much lower part of that is because um lots of the turner lineups aren't in the top 20 minutes wise yet so they're not quite um falling into this metric because he was out for so many games but um these small sample size data to my mind sort of agree with the eye test which is Things seem to function quite well when Sabonis is on the floor, and I don't always notice Miles Turner being on the floor, especially on the offensive end. Which has been true uh, the entire time he's been a, a pacer. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, there, there goes long stretches where you forget about him offensively. Um, and I don't know if that goes towards uh, his personality or the way that we're designing our offense. Um, you know, like I said, in that Orlando game, we, we stuck him in the corner as a, as a stretch four for, you know, um, a lot of the offense. Um, and it, it produced a little bit of uh, offense, but, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, a fifth option role in that starting unit, um, which is an interesting choice by the coaching staff. Uh, you know, if that's the best way to utilize him, then, then you know. But, you know, that that top of the key. I mean, he's, he's deadly from three right now. I mean, you know, in, in this small sample size, he's shooting 43% from the three point range. You know, we need to be running these high pick and rolls with him, you know, so he can step behind that arc uh, mm-hmm. more than we're mm-hmm. doing. Um, you know, and I understand that Sabonis is a better passer. Um, and so we're doing a lot of our sort of pick and roll with him up top, but, um, he's not the shooter, you know? So, um, he's definitely the pick and roll man, not the pick and pop man. I mean, he shoots a better percentage from the floor than Turner, no? I don't he, have the numbers. He, do, he does. He does, but uh, uh, not from uh, long range. Um, but just better. Well, yeah. Because You're more likely his, to get a bucket of, if he's involved in the offense, right? Sure, correct, because he's he's doing more rolling. He's getting closer to the basket. He's getting fouled. Yes, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I guess at that point you can say just based on these numbers, if you had to make a choice, you know, Sabonis is the more productive player. Um, and then you make the choice, can I get more from him uh, as an asset because he's playing better uh, and I like Miles Turner in our system, or this is the better player, I'm going to get rid of Miles Turner, right? Um, but I think 
when I'm looking at these numbers, I, I agree with you that the plus minus with the two of them on the floor is very poor, but there are lineups that do very well with the play, them playing together. Now, our, our top four minutes, uh, you know, five-man units with them in it are negatives. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's not good. Um, but there are there are five minutes five man units that are working. Um, you know, Brogdon, Justin Holiday, Sabonis, Miles Turner, and T.J. Warren are a plus twenty. Also, there's a, and a lot of these units that are that are minus on on points are plus in steals or in rebounds or in assists. Um, so there are things that are working, and I think I really do believe that it's the job of the coaching staff to figure out how to make this work because two of your top four players are, you know both big guys and in the history of the NBA you figure out how to make really good players fit on the same team if you have to if you have to play them only 10 minutes a game together I mean there's there's 96 minutes between center and power forward we can make this work right maybe it takes some creativity but like there's got to be a situation where this this whole thing pans out and you don't have to make this Sophie's choice well I, I mean we're playing a different style of basketball than every other team in the league. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that obviously this works. We just have to make it the right, you know what I'm saying? The real question is organizationally, how invested are you in this experiment, right? Do you come to the conclusion if you can't make this work, that that's Nate's fault and he should go or, you know, at that point, do you, do you unload one of the players? I mean, I think that there's, you know, if the organization has made the decision that these are two guys and we're sticking with the players over the coach, um, you know, maybe there's some coach in the rough at the collegiate level who knows how to play with bigs, right? That's that's just what there's Coach gotta X be. does, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the the game used to be played with two, you know, big guys. You know, you think about the Twin Towers of, of uh, you know, the Houston Rockets or, or um, you know, San Antonio Spurs. Like, I know the game has evolved, but these players have evolved as well. Like, both of these guys can spread the floor, can shoot, can, you know, I mean, you know, Sabonis is, is tougher down low. He's going to be better at, uh, you know, low post defense, and he's going to be uh, better at rebounding. Miles Turner is going to be better at shot blocking um, and switching and shooting. You know, these are complementary skills that you can move them around both offensively and defensively. And I, I, I'm with you, like, <clears throat> maybe if, if I am looking for a different coach, maybe I'm looking at, Okay, I've got these two kids that are under the age of 24 that are both signed for four years on reasonable contracts. Maybe that's more important than, than you know, finding the coach that fits that may be more important than um, trying to unload one of these guys for, for a different kind of talent. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the – another way to frame the question is sort of how successful is successful, right? So if – like, or what is your definition of success with this lineup or Nate's ability to coach this lineup up to a successful um, end product, right? Is the, I think is it the goal be one of the, I make think it the playoffs be, or no, should we be should one be, of the top four or should we be a title contender? And I think, yeah. I think this, this line, this, this front court, these two guys should be a top three front court in the entire NBA. I mean, I just think that that's, they, they should be able to, to um, complement each other, help each other. They like each other on the, you know, as as human beings. They say they like playing on the floor together. Like there's just there's no reason this shouldn't work. I just I can't figure out. Um, you know, I'm look. We're looking at. You're right. Not enough data. 
But the, our argument last season, even though we had similar plus minuses where when Sabonis and Turner were on the floor together, they were negatives. Unless you got a little bit deeper and found the, the rotations that did work. And those are the rotations that Nate wasn't running last year enough. And again, I feel like the same way as the same thing's happening this year. Although, because everybody's been injured, it's hard to really say. It's hard for him probably to figure out what works and what doesn't. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the metric of a top three front court. I mean, I th- probably they are that. I mean, I guess in the current NBA, so what? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, you're giving winning, up. Winning, you're winning giving up block. perimeter defense in a league that shoots more threes than it ever has. We're, you know, I just, I, I don't think that having a top three front court is a goal, right? I mean, it has to be so winning the rebound game, the block. It has game, to be winning or, a championship or making the playoffs every year. It has to be something else, right? I mean, we don't care about this. This this is tier two stuff, right? You're saying being a top front court wouldn't get you to the playoffs. I'm saying it may or it may game, not, but the, the it's not it's not it's not the out. metric that you're running to decide whether you're successful, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean in this yeah, in this business it's wins and losses. Are you yeah. winning more games than you're not? And are you competing for postseason success? Right? And I mean so at some level success. your your framing of the question goes hand in hand with Nate McMillan's ability to keep his job, right? If he's not able to coach this team up and have this lineup be successful, that means that the team is not going to be winning basketball games or going to the playoffs, and he is not long for this position. Even though, shout out to Nate McMillan, who just passed or entered like the top 25 in all time wins as a coach or something like that, which astounds me. I don't know how that's possible, but uh, he wins. I guess basketball if you just games. you just Longevity, hang out, baby, you just hang around and win basketball games. Yeah, and I mean the 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 super big thing is it's an incomplete, right? So the question, right? The question is not only can Turner and Sabonis exist together, but we haven't even discussed the real franchise player of this team, Victor Oladipo, and it's how well those guys work with him on the floor, and can they can that sort of core uh and maybe even you throw brogdon into that conversation right. now that he's sort of long-term like uh, and those four guys four, right? coexist on the floor together in a successful way right and we obviously don't have the answer to that question right we don't have any glimpse of that well coexistence yes high level success small thing well right sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> They haven't thrown any punches. I haven't seen any of that. So that's, that's super good. I take Yet. that as a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or we have a really, you know, tight lip locker room. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I. Bunch of catch and kill stories from the start. That's right. The, the anti Trump administration of uh, yeah. leaks exactly. coming out of this. I could envision, I mean, I, I, at least I can envision a world where uh, Brogdon, you know, creates a relationship with. Sabonis and Turner and, you know, um, is able to run pick and rolls while, you know, Oladipo's doing the same thing on the other side and, like, you could just, you know, pick and roll people to death or whatever. Um, you know, the, the, the talent that, that those four players potentially provide you, um, and I think with the ability to space on the offensive end, um, is very intriguing. I mean, yet to be seen if it'll work or not, but um, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. It is intriguing, but I, I don't want to gloss over the fact, 
and I, I also don't want to be super hard on him, but um, Turner has not been impressive this year. Yeah. At all, like the level of growth, he's plateaued. I would say yeah. he's in he's terms thirteen of and seven, just like he was last year. He's two blocks a game, which is down, and that's um, fine. He's an NBA player. Is up, he's an you know. NBA rotation player, but he's not. He didn't. He ha- hasn't made a leap in this past year, which is right. surprising to me. I thought that the USA Basketball Experience would be great for him, and um, he would come in, you know, gangbusters. And maybe the ankle injury really like you know derailed him. And took him, you know, out of his rhythm and all that kind of stuff. But but I feel like not only offensively but defensively, I think he's had a hard time sort of being that commanding presence. He's still getting blocks and stuff like that, but I don't know that he's changing games on the defensive end yeah. like he did last year. Sabonis seems to, thus far the season, have the bigger effect with his rebounding. And right. low post presence uh, than, right. than Turner's standalone shot blocking does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know this has been we've basically since he's been around. I mean, we were so excited his rookie year, and he's just kind of you know. And at that at that point, we were, we were comparing his rookie year to Bosch's and Garnett's, and you know, after year three, those guys were all stars. And you know, there's a I don't know if it's a I assume it's some sort of passivity or or a desire to just sort of fit seamlessly into an offense or something. I don't know. I don't think it's a talent issue, but he doesn't demand the ball in a way that a star does. And maybe that's coaching uh, or maybe that's just kind of his personality. Basketball reference is a few games behind here, I think, but he's shooting as much per game as he ever has. Right, but not more, right? This is my point. Right, I mean, should he? I mean, should is that is that is that some cure all for him to just shoot more? I think it would help. I don't know. I mean, does he develop? Just I mean, he can't create his own shot, right? Right. Because he's got right. still no low post game. Right. Um, right. He's certainly not dominant in the pick and roll. Right. He usually seems to look like he's stuck in between. Demontis is much better there. Sure, he's much more aggressive and a better passer. Right. Um, I mean, he's a much more aggressive roller for sure. But like, why not? Why not? You know, we, we, the way we were running the offense with uh, Samson when uh, Miles Turner was out, right? We were basically Samson, I, and you know, maybe this is just who he is, and, and less to do with how we draw up plays. But he was just finding the little gaps, and he was making himself available, and they would find a pass, and he would dunk it. And he was getting 10 points a game that way. Miles Turner doesn't get those points. He doesn't do that. And I don't understand how you don't draw up the same plays for him. Well, I think Jakar is finding those soft spots himself. Himself. Yeah, yeah okay. those aren't plays that were drawn up for Jakar Samson. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and I also exactly don't right. think that his teammates are like, I'm not passing it to a wide-open Miles Turner, right? That's not what's going right. on either. He's just right. not as adept as finding the soft spots on the floor, and he's got to be his own beater. That's like right. his gig. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, th- I think that, yeah, maybe it's a matter of he needs to just settle into what his identity is on this team, and it's – it doesn't seem like his identity is being like the go-to guy to score. He's the guy that like his identity you know, is not an all-star. He's going to be a floor stretcher, just a role player to pull right. a, a big guy away from the rim and knock down a couple threes a game. Uh, maybe get a putback, 
you know, dunk or something every now and then, and then be a dominant, dominant force on the defensive end. Like, for this team to be successful, that is the thing that we need Miles Turner to do, is is to get back to that arguably defensive player of the year um, level of dominance. Yeah. Um, and he can do it. He certainly can do it. And he's doing fine <laughs> defensively, right. you know. He definitely makes people adjust shots and stuff like that. And sure, and he had he had three blocks in the, in both the games this week. Um, you know, hope he's getting back healthy and and you know feeling better about that ankle. And we'll keep you know cranking that up. You know, uh, Pacers right now are uh, fifth in the league in opponents' points, and we're seventh in defensive rating. Um, so we're top ten in those, um, you know, in those categories, uh, and that's a recipe for postseason success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and right now we're fifteenth in offensive rating. You'd like to see that go up, but that's definitely a playoff team if you're in their top half of offense and, and a top ten in defense. So, well, um, especially if you're in the Eastern Conference, right? Right. Um, title contenders are in top ten of both, so uh, we're not there right now. But we also don't have all our pieces, so um, see what it looks like after we get everybody back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Miles Turner's at a 15.7 PER right now. Like I love the guy's defense, but the, you know, with the way that other guys are playing, including Goga, I mean, at what point does this guy need to worry about losing minutes? Mm. Yeah, it's a fair I mean, point. You know, I, I, I agree. It's pretty clear that the ankle has bothered him and probably still mm-hmm. is. Um, mm-hmm. But at, at, at some point, you just you got to figure out what it takes to get right and uh, help your help your team win, right? No, and he can be an important part of a very very successful NBA team as a defensive. What do you call it? A stalwart, stalwart or whatever, sure. and uh, you know, chip in his thirteen points and eight rebounds a night or whatever. Like that's, yeah, like, three that's like he brings things to the table for sure. Yeah. Like. I'm not trying to disparage him. You can him stretch the floor, and if way. he's your fourth best player, you're you could be a pretty good team. But I think this idea that we need to shuffle our offense to make sure he gets 15 shots a night or whatever—I don't know that that's the path to success for this team necessarily. Yeah. Just because he's not—that's like doesn't seem like that's what he wants yeah. out there. So, well, and that's that's part of the issue. That's why he's always kind of left us wanting more, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's never said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an all-star and just done it. Right. He's a very good player, but he doesn't seem to want to be more than that. Right. So. I mean, I'm not here to encourage him to start forcing the game, right? I mean, he has good games when he lets the game the come game to come him. The game come to him. Right. Yeah, but he, right. he probably just needs to do a better job of, you know, opportunistically finding his way to the rim. Um and find that's right. open space on the floor. I just want him to be a little bit more assertive. Yeah, and that will probably make the um, the scoring up. We don't have to force 15 shots a game into him. But if he's... If he's open, assertive. guys will find him. Yeah, that's right. That's what this team yeah. does. Yep. Share the basketball. Yep. I got all sad. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, you know, last, last week I was watching him, and he was just like, take over small portions of the game but i mean you guys are right it's not like he's not doing this all day every day you know 
But you're right. It's breathtaking when he takes over, you know, like three possessions in a row on the offense and defensive end. Like, it's really cool. And then you forget he's on the floor for ten minutes. Yep. Just uh, do that uh, repeatedly, and we won't have to have these conversations. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's take a let's take a quick break, um, and we'll, we'll be back in a few. We got uh, some good stuff for the next the next half. We got the start of the week, and uh, some potentially big changes to the NBA. We want to talk about. Next thing I got for you is my stat of the week. Joey, stat of the week. This one, this one goes into the non-basketball territory. But I saw these, uh, I saw these numbers. I was uh, pretty impressed. So, uh, for video game players out there, you guys may have seen the Google Stadia has come out. It's a, it's a video game system, but you, you don't. Uh, do all the processing on your side it doesn't have like a great video card um it just connects to the internet and uh and then just you just basically it's like a streaming game service so and it's a little box anywhere you plug it in with a good internet connection you're supposed to play these you know beautiful looking games but i was uh i was uh uh the the start has been a little rocky uh, i think sort of varying accounts on how great it is but um one of the uh, websites that popped up after this is uh, StadiaCountdown.com, and, and all it is is just the uh, a countdown timer to the the uh, the time that Google is going to shut it off as a service. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but actually, this is this is built on uh, this is built on statistics. Um, so uh, there's a website called Google Cemetery, which is part of this, and. Um, it basically takes all of the acquisitions that they've made, which has been 212 acquisitions over the last uh, over the life of Google as a company, that just averaged out uh, 164 of those have been uh, killed. Uh, so that gives an average lifespan of each product is at four years and a month. There's been 25 uh, products killed this year. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Tech giants promoting innovation? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. If it works the way they say it is, it sounds awesome. You know, you can take your, throw it in your little bag and 
go off to your friend's house and play a game, but uh, we'll see. One thing that made me so a little suspicious it has a was controller too, and like yeah, so it's it's basically like a like a you know Apple TVs uh, like a, or a uh, Amazon Fire kind of thing. It's just a little thing that plugs in, and there's a controller. Mm. Uh, just it's you know supposed to take the, take the place of like your PlayStation, your Xbox, your your uh, Switch, whatnot. Sure, but it made me a little bit um, skeptical because. Uh, they described their their network uh, speeds, or like their sort of network connectivity, with negative latency, uh, which is which is impossible, mm-hmm. which is physically impossible. <laughs> which means things happen before they. Yeah, it's some quantum uh, stuff right there. Yeah, but it's not true. So. No. Um, they have not anyway. figured out time travel yet. No, if they have, they're investing in the wrong. They really things. buried the lead on that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so there's been some discussion uh, moving on. Uh, some other things in the NBA, uh, there's been some reporting done uh, in the last couple of days um, that there may be some big, big changes to the NBA as we know it. Um, there's some, I, I think the NBA uh, Players Association needs to, to sign on to this for this to happen, but. Um, there's a, there could be basically changes to the, the structure of the season. Um, we've got a whole list of things that can happen just at a high level. It uh, looks like a mid-season tournament. Um, that would be like uh, sometime after Thanksgiving. Um, play-in games to get into the, the postseason. Uh, and reseeding in the, in the playoffs um, to sort of reshuffle based on your record. You know, we've seen a couple, you know, because of the conferences and divisions, we see some weird things occasionally, uh, matchup wise. Just uh, they're talking about changing all of these things. Uh, what do you guys think about this? J- Jason, I think, you know, you're the one that sort of brought, brought this up. Um, uh, this is like a big, a big thing, I think, right? This is a huge deal. I mean, yeah. It's not all the time that the, I mean, changes to the, playoffs or um extra season or whatever uh formats are bantied about quite often but this this is interesting because it seems like there's a lot of buy-in from the owners um where there's there's quote no real pushback from uh any of the 30 teams so far and that's been a key thing because any um sort of changes into numbers of games played or uh, how the playoff format goes affects the final, you know, gate revenue of all of these uh, owners. And so the fact that they're on board is interesting. Um, the play-in games are, are sort of the most interesting to me. Um, so now the, the top six seeds in each conference uh, would have their playoff spot. And then the seventh, eighth teams would play one another and, uh, Oh, I see. And then the loser of that game would play the winner of the ninth, tenth uh, matchup for the final uh, playoff spot. So you'd still incentivize to get into the top eight because you, at a minimum, get two chances to get into the playoffs uh, in this this um, playing format, which I thought was kind of cool. And this has been a thing that um, you know these playing games in the for MLB have been very popular. These one game sort of you know 
NCAA tournament style, you know, one and done type formats are always get a lot of fan engagement and, and get people excited. So, and then it also, you know, if you're the 10th team in the conference, you have a chance to make the playoffs, you know? So for these teams where it takes a while for them to get their shit together, they're rolling at the right time. They can, you know, get into the playoffs and get crushed by a super team. (laughs) Crushed by a one seed. (laughs) So uh, would it, uh, based on this, this new plan tournament, so you would still do it by conferences uh, to get your seventh and eighth seed. And then that first round would still be conferences. And then it would be reseeded outside of conference in the next round or just for the conference finals. That part I don't understand. Harper, you seem to have a better idea on. Uh, It looks like they're going to do it in the semifinals. Not the okay. quarterfinals. So essentially, get it down to four teams and then reseed it so you don't have you know the championship being decided in the West in the semis. I see. So the two best teams would still have a chance to meet in the finals, even if it was two Western teams playing each other. Correct. Okay. That's my understanding. And, you know, what's interesting about this is it looks like Adam Silver is really the guy who's lighting this conversation. Right, this isn't coming from outside, right? So there's a good chance that Adam Silver has the clout to get something like this done. Lots of pro sports have, you know, made noise about changing this kind of stuff, uh, but in order to do something this radical, it, it it almost has to come from the commission, right? And that looks like what's happening here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I, the uh, WNBA went to a weird um, playoff format, like what was it, five years ago? I remember we read it on the uh, on the show, and there were like so many like different things that happened, and and to figure out what your seed was going to be, and you know, it, it seemed overly complex. Um, but it's been, you know, I guess been successful because uh, it's it's still running that way, and and this is sort of a, a you know on that reseeding and all that stuff. Um, these one-game playoffs, all that stuff is sort of a, a blueprint for what the NBA is thinking about doing. It's not the exact same thing, but they've been able to see it work in a basketball setting. Um, and not that they're using the WNBA as a as a lab, but they might be using WNBA as a lab. Yeah, I mean, the reseeding came from the WNBA for sure. They've been doing that for years. And those, uh, those first-round single-game playoffs um, – I guess I would argue mm-hmm. that complexity in playoff seating, there's not much data to support that that slows fans down from watching it. I mean, okay. have you seen what happens in week 16 or 17 in the NFL? Like, <laughs> right. there's 18 <laughs> different scenarios for these teams to get in. And people right? are wound up, fired up, yeah. Absolutely, right. So I don't know that overly complex is necessarily a deal killer. On some level, that's just fodder for you know, basketball nerds like us to geek out. So <laughs> that, may right, be, right. that may be a plus, we'll, not a minus. We'll, we'll lay the, out the, the expansion scenarios the, for you, for your Pacers. <laughs> that's right, right. Well, in the expansion to, you know, potentially 10 teams, well, 10 teams making postseason play, and, you know, at least some of them making, like, actual best of seven series or whatever, like, that just expands the number of fan bases that are sure. and, and there's involved, playoff, right, more at the end of the season. money, right? On some level, I would assume yeah, that there would be a lot of playoff gate money, and that the uh, TV contract that you could renegotiate when this is up 
it would be more lucrative than it mm-hmm. is now. For sure. It's a single game play and everybody's going to be, you know, glued to the TV or whatever. And also right. just on the face of it, having a more European style system of an NBA season might appeal to Europeans, which is a market that they very, very much want to capture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. What do you, so mid season tournament thoughts on this. The idea is it would be after Thanksgiving, they would so you would play a month of the season and then take a couple weeks off or something and then do this tournament thing well, that's you, completely you unrelated to anything else. You wouldn't have weeks off, right? You'd be playing in the tournament. Well, yeah, but it, but the regular season would stop essentially. Yeah, yeah. Now, so that this tournament so, could happen. And is it like, um, is it single elimination? I mean, There's not, not many details, but I imagine that's what it is. They want all 30 teams to be involved. So, Right, so if you have to win the whole thing, how many extra games do you have to play? Like, is it best to just lose and rest your team? I mean, you know, like some people will do that. Some this. people yeah. will. I think, that, I think that that's the biggest concern. Like, they say that they're going to compensate both players and coaches would be compensated for winning, or yeah. you can imagine even like finishing in the top four or something like that so there's some incentive to play but obviously the ultimate chance the ultimate goal is to win the the larry o'brien trophy which is yeah if i if if the pacers win the mid-season tournament like i guess do we hang a banner for that or is it just i mean do we get a little we hang it yeah we hang it we hang it for divisional titles like we're gonna put it up for the so we get do we get a trophy in our trophy case like i mean i don't know it Mm it seems a little bit like definitely we get a trophy i like trophies everybody gets a trophy everybody yeah Yeah, i mean i I think the idea that i mean now that i'm thinking about it like if the pacers had zero chance at a title um in a seven game series but um, you know, scrappy and fun team wins the midseason tournament. It's mm-hmm. not even midseason; it's early season tournament, right? Right, exactly. It's, uh, you know, that would be pretty exciting as a fan. I, I would be very jazzed up about that, I suppose. Um, even sure. though I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean anything until we, as a fan base, assign, assign value to it. it. You right. know what I mean? Like, sure. uh, you know, and then you can imagine, like in the Premier League, right? It's a big thing if people do the double every year, so they win the the League Cup and the league, and like, yeah. Um, or if you can do the the treble, the treble, call yeah. it, where you yeah, win, the, it. win the European Championship as well, right? So, so this is going to be between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Is that the idea? It says what, taking place yeah. after Thanksgiving. Yeah. The, okay. It looks like that some of the teams would, you know, get a buy in the maybe past the first round or two. You know, if you if you were a division champion for maybe the year before or something. Because um, yeah, I don't think that I don't think they want to do it. I don't think they have time to do it. Like, you know, uh, NCAA style, um, and also sure. that they don't have the right number of teams. But yeah. Yeah, and they can't really do it. I think sort of pausing the regular season and then doing yeah. this tournament and then restarting it is better than, say, so like in the Premiership or in a European soccer team, they typically play like on the weekends and then these cup games are sort of midweek or something like that. Um, but the, since the NBA is playing all the time, I think it would be hard to get fans around the idea that, oh, this random 
Tuesday night game as part of the right the tournament. I agree with that. I agree so with that. that's why, you know, LeBron James is not playing or something like that. You know. Sure, but I mean, if so, you know, if there were whatever it would be six games to the to to win this title, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm bad sure. at math, but let's say it's something like that. We would be all over all six of those games. We'd be f- super into it, right? We'd be we'd be potting about it. We'd be into it. But if I'm an organization, my team's playing its ass off in you know early December to kill itself to win this uh, trophy, while other teams are you know resting up. I mean, you sort of see like a Greg Popovich like throwing game one, you know. Totally. Like I just, I, I just think it's there. There's some real issues with it. I like the idea of it, but it seems like it has sort of inherent um, problems. Just, just like I guess the NBA already has with with the lottery. Yeah. So, I mean, that may be. We don't really know everything there is to know about the format or how they're going to incentivize it. I suspect that the win loss that you acquire during the tournament is going to count towards your total season games, right? Oh, okay. I, mean, I can't think be... of a reason why it wouldn't. Okay. And then, you know, sort of the premise becomes, well, if you are vying for a championship, you've got a bunch of super competitive dudes who don't like to lose in any context. This is, you know, a chance to tune up some young guys for the playoffs, and it counts effectively towards your win-loss, right? So they're meaningful games, at least on that level. Okay, well, that 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 would definitely make it different. That would definitely be more of an incentive. It'd be kind of cool also if it was like uh, maybe not tied to your regular season record, but was like one of the things for um, tiebreakers when it decided playoff seeding or something like that. Sure. Sure, they'll have that. At the very least, you almost have to do that, right? Mm hmm. Uh, what about. I mean, you have to do something to make people mm-hmm. want to do it, other than money, because there's already there's so much money. money. <laughs> the, the, the MVP of the midseason tournament is an automatic all-star starter or something i don't know like there's you know there's ways to individually incentivize it as well yeah i don't know this is cool though i mean let's shake it up why not it's interesting yeah yeah nonetheless um i've often i've often argued against um you know uh shaking progress yes exactly (laughs) exactly yes for sure you fear change Uh, i fear change i fear innovation um i want everything to stay stay the same um, because I, I love uh, uh, the numbers, historical numbers for the NBA. Joey, I think you agree with me on this, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you want to be able to compare a season to another season. Uh, but I think, Jason, off air, you made the point that eras are so hard to compare anyway because of the way the game has changed, the way the pace is, um, the advent of the three point arc, all these things. Um, so, um, the advent of load management. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. So uh, you know what? Numbers. Let's keep innovating. Let's keep pushing the envelope. It sounds great. I'm 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 all ready for a tournament. Let's, let's, I mean, how long do I have to wait for this thing? 2021. 20, 21, mm-hmm. 22 season. The 21-22 season is, I think, when they want to start implementing. Isn't that the year the uh, Pacers are hosting the All Star game? No. No, Either that's next 2021? year. 2021. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, at some level, yes, innovation is is great and. The NBA has been always good at sort of staying ahead of the curve, but they're also like super duper popular the way they're doing things now. So <laughs> I fear that, you know, mixing it up too much might be, might seem like 
too much of a cash grab, you know, too gimmicky for, to, for, from a fan base that's already like, yeah, we're giving you tons of our money already right. just to watch this shit. Like, yeah. um, so like, I think I'm down for the playoff thing, you know, the playing games and reseeding and stuff like that. That makes sense to me. The midseason tournament, I still am not, not I'm not sold. there yet. Yeah. yeah. I don't think. Yeah. And also, um, I, I, I guess I agree with that writ large. It's going to be weird where teams are playing a different number of games during the regular, what amounts to the regular season. I don't care a great deal about comparing historical numbers because, I mean, if the players don't care, I guess why should I, right? And in this new era of load management, they don't seem to care at all. Um, yeah. But it's still a weird gig where some teams are going to play 78 and some teams are going to play 83, right? That's just like a weird thing. Yeah. That is a weird thing. Yeah. I guess it makes tiebreakers easier somehow. I mean, if you've mm. got a plan, it's sure. automatic, right? I mean, you're going to have at least four teams that played an extra couple games, right? True. Yeah. Well, that would be the plans are just that's postseason. That doesn't count towards your regular season record. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know a lot about this stuff. Exactly. There's uh, you know, nothing is concrete yeah, right everything's now. On fire, they're, they're everything's on fire, Joey. Everything's on fire. Not on fire. Not on. It's just smoldering. Calm down. But I think the thing that y- you brought this up uh, offline. Uh, Colson is this midseason tournament and when it starts like so early is basically because the NBA while it is a 12 month sport and people pay attention to it all the time people don't really start paying attention until Christmas yeah the Christmas basically, day until game, sort of like, the end know, of the until yeah. football is over basically right. nobody yeah. cares so or the, the larger audience doesn't care I should say and so this is a way for them to start tapping into that um you know, the common fan or whatever a little bit earlier. They want some of that Thanksgiving money. The NFL's been bogarting. They I have guess. been taking it. They have yeah. for sure. The Lions get a Thanksgiving Day game every year. Yeah. Can, do the Pacers need to start lobbying now for a Pacer or for a Thanksgiving Day game? Yeah. Do you need to start Let's that lobby now? All right, Colson, you're in charge of that. Go get it. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, that would be uh, one thing that we could be thankful for in the future. Um, but I want to hear what what we've got right now that we're that we're happy about. Uh, Colson, what are you thankful for uh, basketball wise this season? I guess you could sprinkle in some stuff in your quote unquote real life if you wanted to, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't need to do that. Um, (laughs) uh, Basketball-wise, maybe this is just an uh, opportunity to uh, give a shout-out, but I'm thankful for Pau Gasol. Hmm. Um, He was recently uh, waived from the Blazers, and uh, it's not clear. He's not officially retired. There's some discussion about whether he might have a coaching position for the Blazers, but... uh, this guy is, uh, on basketball reference, he's got a 92% chance of going to the Hall of Fame. Um, fantastic international uh, career before he even got to the NBA, and then has been in the NBA for 17 years uh, with averages of 17 uh, points, nine rebounds, three assists, and uh, block and a half. 
Um, he is a six-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, was Rookie of the Year in 2001-2002, and uh, a two-time NBA champ. So just want to say thankful for his career. Uh, suck at Lakers, but, uh, you know, if pal's going out, I'm going to pour a little beer out for him. All right, Harper. What do you – I'm thankful besides for Aaron Holiday. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Where to start? I mean, yeah, of course I'm thankful for Aaron Holiday. I'm so excited about the season he's having. I'm happy that uh, Vic looks to be on pace for a return this season and thankful that we have the kind of leader who, even when he's injured, is courtside every night rooting his guys on. There's just not all superstars are that guy. Um, so I'm just I'm happy to have a team where the, the level of camaraderie is so high and guys are so supportive of each other. It, it shows itself on the court with great effort and, um, you know, the results will follow. I just, I'm, as always, very excited for this team. And I'm glad that I don't have a bunch of years where I have to be like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Caveat, Paul George. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Toads. Thanks for this team. Suck it, Paul George. That's, a- <laughs> That's the TLDR. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for uh, the the just super talent that we have in the NBA this season. There are, uh, I would say, four legit uh, MVP candidates right now. Um, the 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 rejuvenated and ageless LeBron James is uh, leading the league in assists uh, and averaging nearly a triple-double as he has done for his entire 17-year career. And he's out there just still just balling on fools. Uh, James Harden is putting up almost 40 a night. Uh, Absolutely ridiculous. You know, you look at the... That's the other... The uh, the change in pace, like the... We're in, we're in an era of basketball now where uh, pace is off the the charts, and the number of three pointers is up. So every night uh, is like a a a, a woe boy crazy fantasy line. Somebody dropped forty and something like that. So uh, that's super fun. Um, obviously, Giannis still an MVP candidate, but Luka Doncic, second year guy, averaging nearly a triple double. Or maybe he's at a triple double now. Um, Thirty points, ten and ten, as a sort of second year point forward, do it all European, amazing guy. Uh, if you guys haven't had a chance to watch him yet this year, he yeah I mean, he was impressive last year, but he's taken it to another level this year. And uh, Mavs are fun to watch, so. It's just great. So basically, you can tune in to basketball any night and see uh, somebody amazing playing basketball. I guess that was always always the case, but it seems especially more true than ever. Yeah, Yeah. I I kind of want to kind of echo Harper's points. Uh, These, um, I'm glad that we we just don't really have off years as Pacer fans. Um, they're not always great, uh, but they're never like, you know, it's been a long time since I didn't want to watch. Um, and that was, you know, that was Paul George stuff. So, you know, it's, 
that explains it, right? Like, it's been fun sure. to watch these teams. You know, I get to go to the field house uh, and and cheer my my team on. You know, I know some of these lots of you know cities out there um, haven't had anything good in a long time, or their team has been bad for a long time. And <coughs> we just haven't had to. Yeah, we haven't had to suffer through that. Um, and that, and, and I'm thankful for that. Um, the guys in the, or the the whole team in the in the front office does a great job, um, and you know, and the players that they they get uh, sort of reflect uh, they're on the same page as as where they are for the most part, and you know, they put together a, a good a good product, good team, and uh, I mean, look look at us, we're we're fawning over bench guys now. Um, <laughs> I mean, before we used to, then we had teams not that long ago that, at, like the plus minus. As soon as a guy that was a non-starter touched the floor, you know, we were like, "All right, we we can we can deal with this for two or three minutes." But <laughs> yeah, no, we've lost titles that way for sure. Right. <laughs> we had five amazing players and and nothing and else then, and nothing else. Uh, so that makes me that makes me happy. Also, you know love my family and stuff you guys are great <laughs> sure me too shout yeah, out yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. of course this, that's love everybody that's obvious yeah yeah thankful for lots of stuff colson we got an undegoogleable for us is that right oh can we do an undegoogleables that was the plan Super excited! Um, you told us we had to, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he said, said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. I do. I actually have uh, two quick ones. Um, I'll start with the non-Thanksgiving one, and then we'll get into the Thanksgiving one. So, uh, just if you're if you if you're only listening to this podcast for holiday content, you have to wait till the end. That's how we do it. <laughs> you're so um, clever. <laughs> There's no way to fast forward through this. So. Nope, <laughs> impossible. Technology does not. And our adver- uh, yeah, and and our uh, sponsors are going to be so happy that yeah. you made people yeah. wait until the end. The first one is the phrase, uh, "Let's blow this popsicle stand." Mm. I want to know. I want to know about the era it came from. I want to know uh, when popsicles came in. When popsicle stands. Came in and when when we said blow to mean leave, can we figure all this stuff out? How did this phrase come about? Is that a phrase? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've yeah. always heard like pop stand though. Uh, I've always heard this. Let's blow this popsicle stand. I feel like I've heard that, but I thought that was like a conglomeration of like different things. Well, if like, that's the case, then we need to explore that as well. Okay. Um, I, I I always assumed it was like a '50s like Coney's Island uh, like uh, thing Coney Island. Um, I don't know why I made it plural. It was uh, Coney's <laughs> Attorney's Island. General. The Attorney's General Coney's Island. Coney's Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know where where you know it's it's like summer and there's a popsicle stand and and you're you're hanging out with the girl and you want to go make out in the car and you say let's blow this popsicle stand, but I don't I don't really know. I definitely also thought it was a 50s thing just because it's goofy. (laughs) Right? Because everything goofy comes from the 50s. Yeah. But also there's like a non-zero chance that it's a pretty gross double entendre. 
Mm. 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 Yeah. It's what we I do here. I, no I think that's just in your head. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. going to say popsicles did not exist until the 20th century, I would assume. Yeah. Definitely post-refrigeration. Right. Sure. In the house. Um, like, did popsicle sticks come up before tongue depressors, or was it the, the other way around? Yeah, good question. I'm guessing tongue depressors were there first. Okay. Yeah. And then they some, were the, some they person were the was getting checked up, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at the doctor and was like, you know what would be great on this? Is it frozen water? <laughs> yep. With lots With of sugar sh- in it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so uh, refrigeration so became widespread in, I mean, the 20s and the 30s. The Industrial Revolution, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. So yeah. maybe maybe it came a little bit earlier because I mean popsicle stands. Certainly, you would go to like the state fair and right. they would have a popsicle novelty. But once everybody has a refrigerator in their home, everybody can make them or buy them. So you don't have to mm-hmm. go to the stand right. anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like saying you don't need to go to a restaurant now because mm-hmm. everyone has a kitchen. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to go get those artisan popsicles, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, you, you still chase after the ice cream truck, even though you can keep ice cream in your freezer, you know? Yep. You that, do. Even though you, you know that old metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we had different upbringings. <laughs> Let's blow this popsicle stick. Um, so, okay. Um, when, would, when would blow mean leave? Like, I suppose you... So... The phrase has to come after we understand popsicles. Um, so it probably... <laughs> How do you really understand a popsicle, though? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, uh, yeah. You broke his brain. <laughs> I don't have the essence of the popsicle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's blow this juke joint. Uh, what... I feel like, yeah, that's a 50s thing. Like, I feel like it's a biker okay. phrase. Mm. Sure. I, I always I, I always kind of took it as, like, a little bit uh, dismissive of, of like, not a literal popsicle stand, but just kind of be like, this place is crappy. It's a, yeah. Let's yes, get out of here. For sure. That's I think that's where how it yeah. comes. I, and that's why I was, like, I was thinking of it as the, hey, let's get out of here and do something interesting because this is mm-hmm. lame sort of thing. Basically, it's trying to get somebody in the backseat of a car. This is like That's you way say, like, more the, interesting than the popsicle stand. Well, you can say like this place is for kids. Let's go to to place Do somewhere adult more thing adult somewhere else in the backseat of a car. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe maybe blowing equals leaving comes from uh, like blowing goes. <laughs> the ab- <laughs> the advent of the ignition interlock device. <laughs> what? <laughs> you got to blow into the thing to leave so you can drive oh, your car. Oh, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Car. Gotcha. I like your creativity, <laughs> but. It's a definite no, but it would be hilarious. Yeah. It's possible in Indiana. Anything. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think 50s, 50s, you know, malts drinking, or whatever, teens drinking malts uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. I like it. Uh, okay, so the first hit here is uh, Quora. Um, 
That's not good. Also, blow this popcorn stand. That doesn't mm. seem like a thing. Um, popsicle is a trade uh, registered trademark uh, as an inexpensive frozen confection on a stick invented in 1924 in San Francisco. Um, it's trademarked? Apparently. In the 1950s, a popular teen hangout was around the local drugstore, mm. which used to have a soda shop inside or a soda fountain, a.k.a. a pop stand. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Let's blow this pop stand is the origination of the phrase as far as this is concerned. I, I don't believe this in any way, shape, or form, but this is wildly interesting. Uh, Urban Dictionary. As it is. Legend has it that this term was first coined in the 1940s by a Jamaican named Antoine Cleo. Cleo believed that filling uh, the area of a popsicle with deadly radiation could be used against certain countries as biological warfare. He believed that the radiation had certain brainwashing chemicals inside of it and that placing the popsicles at stands at random areas could allow more people to buy the popsicles popsicles thus was his plan for world domination however his plans were soon foiled when a strange cult cult called the kindred spirits uh blew blew up all the popsicle stands in america including uh killing the perpetrator antoine cleo let's blow this popsicle stand was then started as an inside joke between four teenagers then it spread through the united states blah 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 I didn't believe that at all, but I just no, thought it was that's pretty awesome. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, away with words apparently did this phrase, but I have to listen to it. They can't. They won't just tell me. So, I'll link to that. Apparently, I'm sure it knows way more than we do. I nailed that one. <laughs> you got it right. Is that as close uh, as we can get? Joey. Yep, I win. What you got next? Um. What's the history of the cornucopia? It's Thanksgiving. Why is the cornucopia a symbol of Thanksgiving? Why is the cornucopia? That's the question. Why is the cornucopia? Um, is it was it always a woven basket that had a point on it? Was it always filled with food? I think yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, cornucopia is like a Greek word, no? Mm, I would guess so, yeah. Okay. Meaning so, probably an abundance so the, of something? Abundance of But corn. the the actual yeah. uh, phys- the actual physical I just got that. Uh, <laughs> the actual physical uh, thing is like a sort of basket with a lot of things in it, right? Yeah, a lot of Thanksgiving type foods. The imagery is yeah, it's like sort of a, a cone shaped mm-hmm. basket, sort of on its side and overflowing Bounty with right. falling out with, of it. Uh, yes. Yeah, squash and vegetables and sometimes Mashed you potatoes. see a turkey in there. Like it's yeah. I don't know. Wow. So it's uh, a question: Why is there a basket? No, I mean, I just, I just want to know the, the, how this all got associated. I mean, is it because of the bounty? And did we, um, basically, if if you fill a basket full of stuff, it's. I mean, baskets are what we filled back then. Right. 
why a why a cone shaped basket? Yeah, that does seem like a very in- inefficient way to store things. Mm-hmm. Just because there's a bunch of space at the bottom. I mean, I suppose all the small things could settle yeah. down there. Well, I, I suspect. That yeah, but like, how would you store that thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hang it on the wall. Something about, um, you know, hmm. about fashion almost always has to do with like being wasteful on purpose. So like a basket with no utility is therefore awesome. <laughs> I was just yeah. wondering if like it's an easier way to weave things somehow. I mean, I don't know if like on some level, like you're basically just making a spiral and maybe that'd be easier than creating a flat base. My wicker game is not that strong. <laughs> <laughs> really? Shocking. Yeah, the, it's not the what weaving I've heard. that I've done, it does, yeah, you can uh, make a flat base pretty easily. Yeah. So. Okay. Alright. I think it's but, uh, okay. ornamental. Is it, is it, it's, it's more ornamental, it's not like more secure, like because the bottom could fall out of something, right? If it's a cone, it, it's a stronger I mean, structure. if you suck it wicker, I mean... It doesn't matter what shape you make. <laughs> it's going right. to be a problem. That's right. Uh, Do you think that the the cornucopia as we know it was like present at the first Thanksgiving? And that was like a, a tradition brought over See, by the this is This is part of my question. Is it, is, it a, is it a Native American uh, basket design that got caught up with the Greek word cornucopia? Like, is, you know, this is what I'm saying. Harper's unconvinced. Harper's not happy. (laughs) That look is... I disagree with everything that's happening right now. (laughs) I've never actually seen one, I don't think. I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, I've only seen artist renderings. Yeah, exactly. You've never gone to, like, uh, I don't know, some event that was Thanksgiving-themed that had a big old wicker cornucopia with pumpkins hanging out? Nope. Nope. Right. But and if I, I had, it was definitely something that somebody bought at like Joanne Fabrics. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. It wasn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. an actual util thing. Yeah. But again, I mean, we make the point that it's not that utilitarian anyway. So, like, at least nowadays, it'd be a waste of time to have a cornucopia outside of decorative. I just wonder if it was, it used to have some better purpose. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Native Americans were big on a bunch of not utilitarian stuff. That wasn't really that's right. Yeah. That's not how they rolled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Like they don't think they just had these. They don't. I don't. I don't feel like they had like arts and crafts like for fun that weren't like useful. You know. Like if you need something, you needed like a a weapon made. You know. Yeah. Good to go. art on that stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That'd be great. We can do that uh, on arts and crafts day, but we're not just making something we can't use. Right. Or which we know is bad. We know is bad at the only thing it's supposed to be doing. All right. Hmm. Okay, so uh, derived from the Latin cornu, meaning horn, and copia, meaning plenty. There you go. That makes that's perfect uh, sense. Historically, it was a real goat's horn filled with fruit and grains. It was depicted at the center of lavish food tables. Ugh. <laughs> Wait, it's filled with grain and what? Fruit. Fruit. Fruit and grain. Okay. I'm into it. And so that would just show your bounty? I guess so, yeah. Uh, let's see. How did the association association between 
a horn and plenty come to be. Greek legend says that Amalthea, a goat, and Zeus's foster mother, uh, that's one person, Amalthea is a goat and Zeus's foster mother, uh, accidentally broke off one of her horns. Zeus felt terrible for her, so he promised that the horn would always bring her what she wants. That's according to the Daily Meal. Hmm. But that doesn't give us anything into Thanksgiving, though, right? No. It does not. Okay. But it does give us why it's a horn-shaped thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, you yeah. just killed your goats because it's fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time to eat the goats in fall, right. I don't know. We don't. Do we have anything with the... Uh, Woven, woven Two cornucopias? cornucopias are seen in the flag and state seal of Idaho. Well, I was going to hey. bring that up, but I didn't want to bore <laughs> you guys with a bunch of Idaho so. stuff. <laughs> with a bunch of local. It's a pretty intense uh, seal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't mess around with our seals here in Idaho. Esto <laughs> perpetua. Ever. You going to get that tattoo pretty soon, Harper? Mm-hmm. I want to see the the cornucopia sleeves, both two of them. <laughs> it would be amazing. Uh, it would be I'd amazing. Take it all the way down to the middle of my middle finger. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you could make a bunch of like. Oh, you could say you have so many cool catchphrases. <laughs> Such as like what? <laughs> oh, I mean like. <laughs> Get prepared for this bounty. Oh, that's solid. Okay. okay, okay. Well done. Well done. Nicely done, team. Definitely. Yeah. Shout out to Zeus, by the way. Good work. Super nice, dude. It's like that's also the first time I think I've ever heard him feel bad about anything. Mm-hmm. 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 That guy was a jerk. He was kind of a psychopath, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know when you're fostered by a goat mother. all right we learned a lot good work gentlemen colson you satisfied yep um cornucopia uh was uh first documented in the english dictionary in 1508 okay that's all i got wait that's uh when was the first thanksgiving when was the first dictionary it's like right after Gutenberg. Lots, lots of questions all of a sudden. I don't know. Well, that, that'll be for next week. We'll go with the first dictionary and the first. Uh, when was the first Thanksgiving? That's what I'm saying. Like, when, when were the Puritans the most pure? <laughs> <laughs> all right. You'll have to wait at the edge of your seat until next week. Let's get these and many more answers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spend my week not Googling so hard. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to not Google so hard. Mm. <laughs> they bought my will to Google and then they killed it. <laughs> you know, I noticed we didn't gotcha. name this the, the undebingable. That's a good one. <laughs> the undebingable. Yeah. 
we got to get going. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. The website is TheUndebeatables.com. You can review wherever you listen to the show. Uh, you can give us as many stars as is appropriate for the things that come out of our mouths. Uh, <laughs> you share this with a Pacer fan in your life. Uh, Coulson take us out you know it's funny because i i often have been called undebangable but i don't i don't know why <laughs> we'll talk about this later for a once and always coach bobby sicklinner now in the hall of fame turn out the lights the party's over happy thanksgiving baser nation it was a cornucopia of goodness Yay! Yay! You're just basically taking something off of a, a, a dead body. Mm-hmm. Mm. You can kind of des- the design hurts a little bit that way, you know. <laughs> it just you didn't really get to make it the way you wanted to. You just had to steal it. Yeah. Man, I, I mean, I get almost none of my arts and crafts ideas from the morgue these days. Just. <laughs> See, and it, that's you, that's smart. You said exactly. Almost none. Right? <laughs> but you're probably your your uh, arts and crafts ideas are probably more utilitarian. They're probably banging. <laughs> <laughs> are they undebangable? Damn it, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>